Welcome to Sitting With My Sisters. We are three friends in three different places with three different perspectives. Bringing you a podcast to share the love, light, and goodness of Jesus Christ as we go through the recent general conference talks from the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. I'm one of your hosts, Melissa Hoy, and with me are my sisters, Kristen Lawler and Jamie Stone. All righty, we are here with sitting with my sisters. Um, we are down a sister. Jamie's, uh, she had a death in the family, so she is not with us today. Um, but we are sending our love and prayer out um, to her and, and hopefully um, things will go okay and, and whatnot. And we'll have her next time. But we're definitely she's still here in spirit. She's here in spirit. And she has, we have her quote that she doesn't know we're, we're gonna take, so. Anyway, so we are going to talk about President Nelson's Let God Prevail. Um, and we're going to talk about um, his talk, and it was at the end of the Saturday morning, uh, Saturday, no, sorry, Sunday morning session. Um, and a lot of different thoughts for me kind of went through this. Um, and anyway, I so he starts out by talking about how he had this really great scholars help him out with the word Israel, which really changed the word, you know, all these different songs like Redeemer of Israel and Israel, Israel, God is calling and all these different um, things, but um, how the word Israel means let God prevail and kind of goes into that of how we can let God prevail in our lives. And what does that mean for us and how we can choose to let God be in our lives or we cannot is, is really is kind of the choice that we have with our agency. Right. I looked into this and I thought um, with Israel, I also looked into what prevail means. And it means to prove more powerful than opposing forces or to become victorious. And so then I looked up the exact phrase, let God prevail in the scriptures. And it's used 110 times in the scriptures and then 115 times in general conference. So just some little tidbits for us. But I love that President Nelson is such a great example to us. He's not just, you know, someone who, you know, do as I say, but not as I do. He's doing the work that he asks of us and, you know, so much more. But when he talked about studying, he talked about how the gathering of Israel, he's been studying it for 36 years and how I really liked his example of studying because he said that he studied it that he prayed about it, that he feasted on the scriptures, and that he asked to have a better understanding. And I think if that's something that we could do and apply it in any part of our lives, um, not just in gospel understanding, but in maybe something that you're struggling with, that you can feast on the scriptures to see answers for that. Look in the topical guide, look through general conference and see a way if there's a way that you can study that in our scriptures and i just thought oh i need to remember to do this the next time mm -hmm. i'm needing to study something yeah i there's been a couple a couple moments at least for me that i've listened to our our leaders and i've seen the humility in them where they are still trying to learn as much as they can about their relationship with god and relationship with with christ and and to be able to you know 
um, get closer to him. I mean, there was one time I remember President Faust saying that he selfishly studied the atonement for his talk on general conference because he wanted to know more about that. And at that time, I think he passed away maybe like a couple years later. So, I mean, he was well, like, you know, in his prime, you know, well into his life, you know, and I think I remember also President Hinckley saying that he learned something new from the temple each time he goes. Again, he was at that time a prophet and then hearing President Nelson talk about how he's still studying and understanding, trying to understand the savior um, and trying to understand who, who God is and his relationship and such a, such a humbling um, idea when there are so many times where, not that I think I know everything, but where we feel like, I think I give myself a hard time thinking I should know this by now. And I get down on myself for not knowing this by now. Right. I think that it's a great testament that our savior is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And that this really is a lifelong journey to grow closer to him because we study the scriptures every day. They asked us to read the Book of Mormon every day, whether it's the year that we're studying it for Come Follow Me or in seminary if you're younger or not. And I think, I mean, I don't think, I know that the reason why that is, is because we get different takeaways each time. We're a different person a year from now than we are today. Uh, life experiences, um, so many things change in our life that every time we read or study something, there's more to learn. No matter if you think you know everything front to back, um, there's still so much to learn. And I love that our church leaders are sharing their own experiences with us as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and I think it's also even changing this idea where, I don't know, at least this is what I hear from my because I didn't grow up the church. I didn't have this idea of it, but that these leaders just know everything. We just have to follow blindly because they they are the end all be all know it all, and, and that's really never never the case. And I think that's what's been tough for some people to see the mistakes that are made by leaders because they didn't know everything, and they um, and they were still learning, just like just like everyone, just just like the prophets. Actually, I was actually just discussing with a friend about how Nephi, um, as much as I know you love Nephi. I love Nephi because I see some of the things that he does differently, you know, where he talks about how strong and statuous he is, how he's able to be so faster than everybody knocks, you know, knock people down, you know, and so, and so there's sometimes when I read that, I'm like, um, if I was, if my younger brother, because I'm talking about how great and like ripped he is, I would bind him up too in cords too, to show how not strong he is, you know, and so it's funny just to like, see the personality that kind of comes out of that too, that they're not just these perfect beings, but they are striving to become closer to God. And I think that makes it more relatable. Um, so anyway, so, so he goes on to a little bit more just about how, you know, throughout the history, God has allowed, um, bless those that have allowed, allowed him to, to lead the way. Um, I mean, even from changing, um, you know, Jacob's name like gosh can you imagine be, you're having your name being cha changed to Israel that you defy this idea you define this idea of for letting God prevail so much that I'm going to change your name to mean that that's I mean what an honor to to have that um but how that that that's what the Lord wants um to happen he wants that to, to prevail so that way we all can be gathered and and be able to have these times so that way we can have the faith and courage for a million people these days 
to be able to have the work of the Lord be on their side and be able to be on the right single-minded. Um, but I don't think it's easy. And I love the story. I really, I love the story that he shared um, about his granddaughter-in-law. Yes. I really, I really I'm trying to get like the, the right tree line connected correctly, but I had so many different emotions that went through this whole entire story. So um, his granddaughter-in-law, who he named Jill for just for namesake, um, was her father was dying and she, um, she like through many fasting and prayers and priesthood blessings, she was having a hard time with the fact that her father was dying. And, and it wasn't just that, but she was, it says she was gripped with fear that she would lose both her dad and her testimony because yeah. You know, they tell you, do this, do this, do this. And, and when you feel like I'm doing everything right, yeah, I'm doing everything that's asked, where is my miracle? Right, right, right. And, you know, at the time, too, you think that, I don't know where President Nelson was as far as, like, was he the prophet or whatever, but I'm, he, he's still you know, a pretty high up there kind of guy, <laughs> regardless. So the advice you think I know I'd want to get it's just this, whatever it may be, something that would completely fill my soul and say, you know, whatever. I don't even know what the words are, but the word that he gave was not the word that I would want. <laughs> right. Well, and then he talks about how him and his wife, Wendy, were talking about it. So he didn't tell his impression to his granddaughter right. directly. He told Wendy and then when Wendy felt impressed to share it with Jill and his, he only had uh, her, his response was just the word myopic. Yeah. And I would have been like, are you for real, grandpa? Like, that's all you got for me. One, you're grandpa. And two, you're a leader in our church. And three, you're our prophet. And that's what I get is myopic. <laughs> like, I would have been super hurt. Well, I first would have said, what does that mean? it sounds offensive like, because he's using a bigger, like when he said it in conference, I'm like, I don't know what that means. And now I feel stupid for not knowing what myopic doesn't mean, you know? And of course he goes into that. It does mean nearsighted, but yeah, I would have been so super hurt too. I would just, be, and it's funny because me and Jamie were on a run yesterday morning and we were like discussing that, this, that same exact idea. I'm like, that's all you got. And you know, eventually Jill was able to let it kind of come into her mind and be able to, that it, as much as she was, it sounds like she was kind of, I mean, it sounds like she was devastated by it, you know, and irritated. And I'm, you know, I'm sure he's using nicer words, devastated. I'm sure she had more like hurtful feelings, I would imagine, but eventually it allowed her to, um, grant the, the bigger, um, perspective of things and be able to align herself to be able to let God prevail in this moment. Um, a couple oh, when was this? Actually, this was a almost, um, this was a year ago. My, my brother's best friend who I grew up with too, knew him since he was, um, since he was, gosh, I think he was 12 when I met him. And he has been by my brother's side through everything. He's been around our house for hours and hours and hours. I know him so well. We, we consider each other family, even though we don't talk on a regular basis, we always consider each other family and him and his wife are both doctors. And their daughter had a um, had a bad reaction to the steroids that they were getting 
for because she had croup and she ended up dying and she was um suffocating as she not suffocating she suffocated um because her throat closed up and they brought it and so then she was on uh, life support for a couple weeks and i remember being crushed because not only is she i don't like i feel so much for my for my friends but her his daughter was a couple months older than Charlene, my youngest. So it just hit home in so many different areas. And I remember pleading, and I always, my prayers, I felt like, and I've, I've kind of struggled with prayers because I, I, my prayers are very short and simple because I have tried to align myself with God's will no matter what. I will do whatever he wants. He just has to guide me. And usually he guides me as I, as I, I go and do. So I don't spend a lot of times on my knees, but I spend a lot of time in, thought to figure out making sure God's God's plan is mine and I'm completely always open to God's will but this was the time where I knelt down and I prayed I fasted and I pleaded with the Lord to make sure that this little girl lived I pleaded that and I kind of was even like I'm like I have I have done so much I went on a mission I got married in the temple you know I have tried to you know, my family's not a member of the church. I have fought for my testimony. I have stayed strong. I have done everything I can to be the best person possible to bring you the Lord's will forth. Please give me this. Give me this miracle. And he didn't. And I was pissed. And I was angry. And I didn't know what to think. You know, I didn't know what to do. And I didn't know what that meant. I was so angry and I didn't understand it. And it took me a really, really long time to really kind of come back into it. Um, mm -hmm. And so this whole story really just hit home for me because I felt it so strongly. And I even felt it this last week where I have just been in a little bit of a funk, I guess you can say, well, that's what you told me I was in, Kristen, that <laughs> I was in a funk, um, yeah. where I didn't know where even God was or who god is or is there a god and it's just been such a an interesting journey to try so hard to let god prevail in this time when you're not sure who god is as well and try to understand the bigger picture of all things um and but how eventually even though how like i said even this last week where i have been in more of a heartbreaking mode where it's been really harder to know if God is there, that that eternal perspective of God's good and God's love is the one little string that has tied me, tied me down um, to be able to not be nearsighted, but seeing things in a bigger, a bigger light. I like how she talked like once she um kind of healed she said that it myopic caused her to stop think and heal and now the word fills me as with peace it reminds me to expand my perspective and seek the eternal myopic has led me to god um my grandpa taught me a lot about having an eternal perspective when there was something going on, he'd always say, you know, this is just a drop in the bucket. It's just a drop in the bucket. It seems so large and that it's going to last forever, but it's just a drop in the bucket. I still have all of eternity. 
So that, I mean, he was just such a great example that really has helped me to be like, well, you know, things just happen in life and we have to just keep going. We have to endure to the end and, and hold, hold to our faith that we're going to be, you know, that, that God has a plan for everything. Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that it's what I also really liked about just this whole talk as a whole of allowing God to prevail, um, allowing God to be able to be a part of your mind and your thoughts. Um, it's, I think it's, it's, it allows more of that peace. It's okay to wonder and to, um, in some ways doubt, I feel it's okay to, I mean, doubt God a little bit, doubt what this plan is. You know, I, some of the thoughts that were coming through my head this last week where I was, like I said, I was, I was really, really messed up because I just wasn't sure if my prayers are being answered. And I've always wondered if I really am, I always strive hard to be good so I can hear prayers. And I wondered if my ability to do that, but this, but this last little bit, I just even wondered if there, if I am praying to a God, if there's a God. And some of the thoughts that were coming in my head were, you know, I look at a, like someone who's like a sailor, a sailor, when they are navigating to a, a destination, they are constantly looking at their map. They are constantly looking at their coordinates. They're constantly looking at their, the path that they're on. And because of that, it made me realize that I think it's okay for me to ask because because I definitely have asked to know if God knows me and knows if he's there and immediately he always answers. And this last time I felt the more, and I, and I do believe it was a little bit the, the adversary trying to trickle in my head of you've already gotten this, you know, you've already gotten this answer given to you. Why are you asking this again? And again, you've already gotten this answer. And because of these thoughts of like said of, of the sailor boat and the navigation, it is okay for us to wonder and continue to question and understand and try to understand God's to try to understand God period, because it, it's like a sailor trying to continue to go back to his map to navigate his way through the waters to make sure that they're there. And I think that's what letting God prevail means. It doesn't mean that you get on the course and you're on God's course and you're ready to go, that means you continually go back to that course. You come back to that, that idea. You keep on making sure, wait, God, is this right? Wait, God, this doesn't make sense or da, da, da. And so that way you can be more aligned with him. And he, I believe that he will give you those answers as needed. And I, at least for me, I felt peace that it was okay for me to continue to question, okay, God, I don't, I don't know if you're there. And it was okay for me to ask that. And he, I feel like lovingly answered that in not a condemning way. I'm like, yes, I am here. Never went anywhere. Still here, you know, but more like, of course I'm here. Thank you for checking the map again. Thank you for checking the course marks again to make sure you're on the same, on the same course. That makes sense. So, well, so of course, I think and this is what I really love about the work of the Lord. It is so bigger than us because when we allow God to prevail, not only are we helping ourselves and giving peace to ourselves, but it always allows us to be there for somebody else. And so with us letting God prevail, it allows us to leave other people that also want to let God prevail. And, it, and it's all different facets. And I love how he says it. It's, there could be some that never believed in God. 
some that others that have been born in the covenant, some that have been led, uh, that maybe led to, they felt there's something missing in their lives. And yet he invites us and urges us to assist them with welcoming them with open arms and hearts. Mm -hmm. It makes me think too about how we need to cast our judgments and prejudices aside to help others. And it reminds me of Sister Craig's talk, Eyes to See, so that we can help in the gathering of Israel, that we can see who needs Christ in their lives and to see people the way that Heavenly Father does. Because mm -hmm. I think it's, it can be hard for people to join our church or to come into their church when we have such a strong culture at church and they might not fit the quote unquote model cookie cutter set that some people expect. You know, they might have colored hair or a, a different haircut or a lot of piercings or tattoos or show up in shorts and a tank top to church or their family life can be all kinds of different things. And I think it's important to embrace all of them as children of God and reach out to them and befriend them and help them to feel welcome and to learn of Christ. I think that even go a step further as far as everybody that, whether you, maybe you're a member of the church, I've unfortunately seen it where um, you have a younger mom and you're a little bit older or you're an older lady, you know, like whatever, like oh, you, absolutely. you let the There's age dynamics like get in there, you know, and you let the, um, you know, or even just the younger mind thought or older, whatever it may be. We it, just naturally make a lot of assumptions about people or what they think or how mm -hmm. we feel. And sometimes it's just even our own insecurities coming out that we're projecting onto others. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. I hope that, especially I think we're at a time where we're, I know we're getting really close to having us really gather. I mean, I know us in California, at least we're gathering in the parking lot. It's a little harder to connect as well. But I know we're getting to that point where we can gather like we once have before. And I hope that once we are able to gather together and literally see beyond the mask, you know, and see beyond, you know, whoever is there. Because whoever is coming to church, it was actually kind of, um, we had our speakers in our sacrament meeting were, were sharing the same, going over the same talk. And the one of the speakers made a comment saying that you are since you are here, you are letting God prevail. And so if they're at church with you, whether they are 19 or whether they're 99, whether they are whatever it may be, they're letting God prevail in their lives just as much as you are. And if we can embrace that and, and cultivate that, I think that the, that can bring so much great glory and goodness and, and the spirit abound us. Um, to help everybody in their lives. And that's, that's what I think is just so um, amazing about when we gather in the Lord's work and we think about the Zion that we're trying to achieve. Um, how, I mean, when we get to the eternities, you know, it's not going to matter that, oh, you went down there in 1600, huh? Ugh, I'm going to stick with my homies that went down in 1980s. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's just not going to be like that at all. Um, I hope not, at least. I'm assuming not. But it's just not going to matter. So if it doesn't matter then, why does that matter now? Um, and don't get me wrong. I have been guilty. It's easy. We all have been. 
but I hope we can embrace and know that, like I said, once we step into, once we step into those those church settings of of God's, um, letting God's work prevail, that that's the united thing for us. Right. I think um, he calls all of us to um, to lead out in abandoning attitudes and actions of prejudice. I plead with you to promote respect for all of God's children. And he talks about grieving for our black brothers and sisters over the world over for enduring the pains of racism and prejudice. So I know that we've kind of been talking about it generally, but he specifically calls to our brothers and sisters of color. I love that he does that. I'm so sad that he has to do that. <laughs> Agreed. I, I mean, it's sad that after all this time that there's still so much prejudice against race. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, oh, yeah, it makes me sad. And he, uh, he goes on to, I like this line of questioning that he asks us, regardless of race, the question for each of us is the same. Are you willing to let God prevail in your life? Are you willing to let God be the most important influence in your life? Will you allow his words, his commandments, and his covenants to influence the, what you do each day? Will you allow his voice to take priority over any other? Are you willing to let whatever he needs you to do to take precedence over every other ambition? Are you willing to have your will swallowed up in his? I mean, that to me, that was so powerful. Like, am I, what have I sacrificed? What have I been asked to sacrifice? And what was my attitude towards that? Yeah. Well, and I love, I mean, just looking at you, I love your humility on that too, that you're able to ask yourself that question when you already have sacrificed a lot from that, you know, being the only member in your immediate family and even growing up with, you know, going to church by yourself as even as a kid, you're already willing to let God be the most important influence in your life, but yet you're still willing to ask, what more can I do? Which I, and I love, and I, I love that. And I admire that and want to be more like you. That's for sure. So. I just need my Wheaties bucks. I know, you totally do. <laughs> I would totally buy your merch. That'd be awesome. It would have to be like frosted mini wheats though, not oh. Wheaties. Yeah. No, it'd have to be like some candy flavored uh, cereal. I'm not sure what. It's just, there's just, I mean, there's so many things you can do with it. I don't know. <laughs> we'll talk to Deseret. So yeah. we'll, we'll figure that out. Yeah, on a chocolate bar. <laughs> Seriously. Seriously. Um, I love at the very end here because, you know, to, to be honest, and I, we kind of mentioned this a little bit earlier before the podcast, that letting God prevail is a great idea. It's a great thought. It's a great mantra. It is very hard to do. And I like that he's real about that, that it's not something that you just think, well, just let God prevail. Duh. You know, it's, it's, it's not as simple as that. Right. And, and I think we don't think about letting him prevail in all these different aspects of our lives. I think we sometimes get caught up in, well, I should know this. I don't need to ask our Heavenly Father. Right, right. Yeah, I, I go through the balance of, you know, I think that Heavenly Father sometimes wants me to do, wants me to go and do, like my kids, you know, like, oh, actually my daughter Charlene, for instance, has gone potty trained for over a year now, but yet she still wants me to help her. I'm like, you can go on the toilet. I'm 
laying on the couch, I don't want to get up. You know, I mean, but you can go on the toilet yourself. Like you don't need my help. And so I, I'm, I'm trying to figure out that balance between that because I'm such an on the go kind of person because I, I feel like that there are some ways where I'm on the go so much that I don't even allow God to take over some things because I'm so minute by minute by minute. At the same time, I do feel there is a way where I don't have to be, um, I don't have to be so every single, every single thought, every single second, I need to check with God to make sure I need to, I'm allowed to take this one step or whatever. You know, I think there's a good balance between that. Um, anyway, but I love how he says this. It takes both faith and courage to let God prevail. I really liked how he said that. It really, it takes courage to do that. It's not a simple task. It takes persistent rigorous spiritual work to repent, to put off the natural man through the atonement of Jesus Christ, constant daily effort to develop personal habits to study the gospel, to learn more about Heavenly Father and Jesus Christ, and to seek and respond to personal revelation. So he gives us such a huge like list of things to do that are lifelong habits and, and um, daily tasks for us to do so that way we can be able to always let God prevail. This part made me think about my own uh, personal journey coming back to church and, you know, how did I feel coming back? I mean, I wrote down that I was excited for change because I knew it had been missing in my life and I always planned on coming back. So it kind of got to a point where I was like, well, when do I plan on making this happen? <laughs> I've thought about it for a long time and it's, it's been on my mind a lot on and off throughout the years. I've always planned on coming back to church, but like when, where, where is that line in the sand that I'm going to draw, you know? And then I was also nervous about coming back to church and I worried about being judged because I'm married to a non-member who works for an alcohol company. Um, I was nervous about my own choices that I made in that time I was inactive. I was, Honestly, I was embarrassed about being judged by my friends about coming back to church, um, that I was going to start following the word of wisdom and um, how it would, how would becoming a disciple ostracize me socially, which is kind of crazy to think about that, but it did. It was, I was scared to be uncool or how my relationships would change with friends and with family. I have a lot of family members who are um, anti-church, um, that they say a lot of disparaging things about the church or the choices that I make often. <laughs> so in a lot of ways, there was a lot of things that were really easy for me. I have a lot of ministering angels, um, but it, it did take courage to show up to church by myself. And a lot of people who thought I was, um, who just made a lot of just different um, judgments about me or what my life was like or what it must have been like. And I had to correct them or learn or show, you know, who I was and who I wanted to be. But just before this, it does say um, that your greatest desire, when your greatest desire is to let God prevail, um, to be a part of Israel, so many decisions become easier. And that's so true when you have the gospel and the Holy Spirit to make 
different choices, it's a lot more clear cut. And he, he tells us there's five things that he tells us. The first is how to groom yourself. And at first I thought it was kind of worded a little bit funny, but then I think it makes it easier about how, when I think about grooming, I think about how do I present myself in a way that is true to me and who my heavenly father wants me to know and to be and who I feel about myself. And then it, he asks us about what it helps us to decide on what to watch it or read, how to spend your time, who your friends are and who to become. And I love that these things that might be a really big deal or not that big of a deal, they just all become easier when we let God into our lives and help rely on him to lead us in that direction and to take the path that he provides to us. Thank you. I'm glad you made the decision. You're a life-changing uh, friendship for me, and that wouldn't happen if you didn't come to church. <laughs> I know. Good choices, I've, Kristen. Good choices. <laughs> thanks. I've made a lot of really crummy ones, though, before I got here. <laughs> and look it. You're benefited with our friendship to make up for it all. That's right. You're good. Well, that was the talk, um, and I just loved it. I loved all the things that he gave to it. It was, it was, it was definitely, again, this was a harder talk um, to swallow. Um, in a lot of different ways. It wasn't, it wasn't the easy, you know, dessert cookie that I feel like I get from President Nelson sometimes. <laughs> it was a, yeah. it was a hearty one to be able to really digest and understand and to mean so many different things and go through so many different emotions. And I'm grateful for the spirit and I'm grateful for God being patient with me and teaching me many things from, from this little talk. So all right, we still have our quotes, and we even have Jamie's quotes, too, so we're going to share it whether she likes it or not. She's not here to stop me, so Kristen, start us off. Well, why don't you start, and then I'll start, and then you can share Jamie's. Okay. So mine is at the very end, and I, I loved this idea. It says that the Lord has pledged that he will fight our battles in our children's battles, in our children's children's battles to the third and fourth generation. Um, he is on our side. He is not against us at all. He's there for us, giving us support and encouragement. And he's going to stay with us as long as we allow him to and let him prevail in our lives. And I just need to remember that. And I love that. Love that idea. Of it. I love that one. It, gave, it gives me chills. It makes me think of that quote about our, our angels in heaven with like their chariots of fire. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. My favorite uh, quote um, is that the heavens will open as you seek to know how to move forward. You do not need to wander or wonder. And I just love that kind of goes back to that decisions become easier when we let God prevail. We don't have to know, we don't have to wander aimlessly and we don't have to wonder if he's there or if he knows who we are. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. All right, well, Jamie's quote is right after that. And it is, if you have sincere questions about the gospel or the church, as you choose to let God prevail, 
you will let you will be led to find and understand the absolute eternal truths that will guide your life, help you stay firmly on the covenant path. And you know, the last couple of years has has really consumed Jamie of trying to find these answers about the gospel of the church and and I love how she has allowed God to prevail in her life. I love how she has never discredited the goodness that she sees and has never allowed her to not become, not have that same love and compassion and gifts of, of God that she already has. That she's never, that's never stopped, even though she may question some things, maybe even though she may question her faith a little bit she still allows those beautiful, many beautiful gifts that she has from God to prevail in her life and continues to do those things. And so I just, I admire her for that. Um, and I love that she's looking to God for answers for her life um, to find peace. And I think she'll get there. That's my bet. Oh, definitely. If we wanted to gamble on God. <laughs> I think that's right. <laughs> anyway, well, that's what was our talk. Um, I would love to hear, we'd all would love to hear how God has prevailed in your life, how, how you've seen God in your life. You know, I mean, one of the things I think I struggle with sometimes is that I know I look at the relationship that I have with my, with my family and with my friends, and it is easy to have a conversation one-on-one. -on -one. It's easy to be able to see these transactional uh, relationships. And with God, it's such a, a bigger transaction that's more spiritual. And, um, and so sometimes you have to look a little bit deeper for God. And I think there's sometimes it, it may be a little bit easy not even to find him. And so how have you let God prevail in your life? What steps and what courage have you taken every day so that way you can see God's hand in your life on a regular basis or on a one-time basis or whatever it may be? Um, I guarantee you has been there. I, um, and I, I, I would love to hear your stories. So go onto our Instagram page, share us your stories, share us what you think. Um, we love to hear from you. We love um, your testimonies. And we will see you next time with Sitting With My Sisters. Adios. Bye.